When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The best in college football. The best in college sports. This is College Sports Now. Felder Friday edition of College Sports Now. If you're like us, you've had a hell of a week. Uh, not a lot of sleep. <laughs> so we're going to talk college football for the next hour and change. we got Michael Felder from Stadium TV. Felder, is it snowing up in the shy or is it just cold and miserable? Uh, it's going to be 70 degrees today. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, these are all things you could check if you just went to weather.com. I don't. I go to weather.com, but I, I check my weather here in Clemens, not not in your neck of the woods. Uh, well, we, got our, we got our I, man I'm Serber checking. hanging out with us, Serbs. How you living, bro? I got like, I don't know, maybe 10 and a half, 11 hours of sleep last night. Oh, good for you. <laughs> I'm feeling real good. I, I slept better. Hey there, puppy. Uh, I, slept, so. <laughs> I slept better last night than the night before and the night before. It's just been one of those weeks. I'm, I'm a news Same. junkie, and I've just been kind of locked into this stuff. So we get to talk football. We got no guests today. We're going wall-to-wall college ball. That worked out pretty well. And yeah. we got the Felder 5 on deck. I added one to the list. I, I did a Hartzell and one for the Felder 5. So so I really, it. it's it's six today. Uh, before we get into the news and notes of the weekend upcoming, Felder, any anything, any observations on your end before we turn the page and talk about what is technically week 10 of the college football slate, but it is week one out west with the Pac-12 getting underway this weekend? I just I'm curious to see what these Pac-12 ta- uh, Pac-12 games look like. Like, are they going to be super sloppy and ugly and gross the way that every other week one and week two and week three has, has been for most of these teams? Or they did they do something a little bit different? So I think I'm curious to see that. And I am also just like realistically, like how many games do they actually get in? You start at seven and then you start to cut. And as we're seeing with Wisconsin, it's not just cutting from Wisconsin schedules, cutting from other teams' schedules. So it's all – I'm curious to see how it all shakes out. I am um, – uh, I don't know. To go backwards, to go forward, um, 
because I didn't get to hear like DJ Uyangalele thought Cerber first because this is your squadron. Uh, he 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 looked really good. He had trouble making. I I said this a bunch of times. He he's, he had trouble making that throw to the far side of the field across his body, kind of you know, to over to the left. He overthrew yep. dudes a couple times because he is all arm strength. There is no touch. Like I'm interested to see what that kid is able to do when he learns how to put touch on those passes. Yeah, uh, Hartzell. I I mean, look, I'm I'm not recruiting guy, right? Like you guys are. Sure. Um, for me the dude looks the part like I, I understand you'd rather have Trevor Lawrence for this game at Notre Dame if you're a Clemson fan right you'd rather have the guy um, but I, I think long term the fact that he's getting these starts and he's getting these reps I think that's a win for Clemson moving forward like in 2021 and beyond this kid looks legit yeah he's legit I server hit the nail on the head with him he's not finishing his throws to the far side or to the to the left side uh, so those things sail high which is he's got to finish that throw and that's a mechanical thing that can be fixed uh, with reps. Uh, the other part for me watching Clemson, I think that the quarterback is not going to be the issue. The issue is going to be what happens at linebacker because, and we can get into that, you know, I, I mean, it's in the Felder five. We want, do you want me to save it? Do you want to do it? What do you want to do? No, let's jump in, man. Let's go. All right. I mean, this All is, right. this is one of the games of the year. We got number one versus number four. Yeah. So we're, we're going to work our way up to it though. Let's start with a game that usually, or, or at times at least has been one of the quote unquote games of the year, the cocktail party and Georgia, Florida. I didn't even put it in the Felder five. This is your and one is Georgia, Florida. Well, I, I think now again, this is, this is unique because of what's happened over the last couple of weeks, right? Florida's coming back. They played Missouri last week. That game got a little out of hand. Um, Dan Mullen, a ugly. A, Dan Mullen, a little clownish with some antics there. I didn't think it was that late of a hit, to be honest with you. At the end of the first half, like that—that's not an egregious late hit uh, on no. the hail mary at the end of halftime. But oh, I agree. Regardless, you had that kind of take center stage. I—I I realized that Georgia was without George Pickens in the Kentucky game, but my God, Felder, that offense—I mean, maybe they're setting the trap. Maybe it's the old rope-a-dope, don't show anything the week before the cocktail party. But I just, again, man, I feel like this is this is like Alabama. Alabama, Georgia a couple weeks ago. Can the Bulldogs give you 30 in a game where they're going to need 30? I don't know. I, I, I know Florida's offense has been trash. but I think No, no, is, no, defense. Sorry, Florida's defense has been trash. I, I just, I wonder about that. And you've got a lot of injuries on Georgia's defense, man. A lot of injuries. Richard LeCount got in a motorcycle accident. I think he's better. He's out of the hospital. Good but grief. you've got issues there. And and so I just don't know how this is going to play out. It's a dangerous thing to trust Florida in this game because I don't think Dan Mullen's beaten Kirby Smart since he's been in uh, in Gainesville. But I lean Gators. Am I crazy? Um, no, you're not crazy. I actually lean Florida as well. Um, the fact that they're probably not going to have Richie is – Obviously interesting. Uh, he's one of my favorite players. Did I tell you the story? He, um, I was interviewing a guy, DJ Matthews, who used to play at Florida State. We were doing a quick little hit on him out in Oregon. And Richie and I, we had gotten to know each other over the course of, like, you know, however much time I spent, was spent on the road doing recruiting. But in the middle of the interview, and I think this is for Facebook Live, if I'm not mistaken. We're doing a Facebook Live. So this is live. Richie runs up behind me and slaps me in the back. And it's like, ha, ha, I got gotcha. you. 
and then takes off running knowing I can't leave where I am because I'm wired, I'm mic'd up. And he just, he hits me. I get one of those, you know, that fight or flight side stitch that you get? Yeah. Got one of those and didn't feel good. I can tell you that. So that's like, we, like, he's a super like talented kid, but also that whenever I see him, I think of that. Um, interesting enough, I'm also about that Georgia football team. They have Jamari Sawyer playing, uh, I think he's at left tackle now for them. And Jamari Sawyer almost broke my hand, Hartzell. Uh, what, were you guys arm wrestling or what? No, he dislocated his finger. And I was the first person that saw it. And like, you know, I mean, I instantly go into action mode. And so I don't put it back in place. That's the job for a trainer or for, a, you know, someone with a little more medical training. But what I do is hold his hand and tell him to look at me and focus. And where I'm holding his hand, telling him to look at me and focus while the trainer takes the glove off, which is really hard to do with a dislocated finger. And then is inspecting the finger and ultimately puts it back into place. And as the trainer is putting it back into place, as the trainer takes the glove off and as the trainer is putting it back into place, he's squeezing my hand. It doesn't feel good. So you had a front row seat to a dislocated finger. I, I'd probably throw up. I mean, I, I don't oh, think I can no. handle that. No, I listen, I've dislocated my fingers a couple times too. So I, I, I get it. And I play for John Bunning. If you ever want to Google John Bunning fingers, go for it. But anyways, point being without Richie, they're going to be in trouble. The other part is, is that especially with this Florida team that has, well, yeah, they have Kyle Pitts mm-hmm. nightmare. Mm-hmm. He's a nightmare for a safety. He's a nightmare for a linebacker. He's a problem. Uh, Kadarius, Tony, Mm-hmm. Still don't know what position he actually is. Doesn't matter, though, right? Wide receiver, slot guy, running back, who cares? And he wasn't in this game a year ago. Remember, he was banged up. He he was not in the cocktail party a year ago. This is a huge – I think this is a huge – this is – I have a lot of guys on this Georgia team that I really like, that I absolutely – like, I love N'Kobe Dean. I I think he's remarkable. But you're not going to – Stop. You're not, you can't keep a lid on Florida's offense all game. It's not going to work that way, which means your offense is going to have to step up. And more than Florida's defense not being that good, Georgia has to want to score. And I think that's the biggest issue for me, at least, is the desire to score 40. Because if you want to play a game that's 27 17, 24 14, whatever then you don't want to score 40 points. And if you don't want to score 40 points, it really means that you're out of your comfort zone, out of your depth. I know you mentioned 30, but the reality is I think it's going to be close. It's either a game that's in the 40s that Florida wins or somehow Georgia can impose their will on this outstanding Florida offense, and it's a game that's in the 20s. And then if it's in the 20s, Georgia's going to win because Florida's going to be incredibly frustrated. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I'm not saying that Florida's offense is Alabama's offense. It's not. It it's not that good, um, but it is. Uh, it it is lethal, and they're capable of of doing some things that you know Georgia hasn't seen with the with the exception of the Alabama game. And look, Georgia looked spectacular for a half, and then they just kind of curled up in a shell, and Stetson Bennett th- started throwing interceptions, and things got out of hand in the second half in the Alabama contest. So, look, I, I think it's just going to be a fascinating game. The winner here probably goes to Atlanta, probably wins the SEC East. Yep. So there's a, there's a lot of layers to this, but 
you know, it's it's overshadowed by what we're getting in South Bend. I think it's going to be a fantastic football game, and it's dangerous. But I, I do think Florida's finally going to get it done, uh, just because of injuries, because of the quarterback concerns. I mean, if you have Stetson Bennett throwing it forty times, I don't know if that's going to go well. If you right. can do what you did on the ground against Kentucky, and granted, I know it's Kentucky, uh, but you know, Zamir White had a career day. They just pounded the rock. I mean, if, if you're going to do that and Setson Bennett's only going to throw it 13 times, then I think that's the key to a Georgia victory. Um, we're still talking about the quarterback situation in Athens. It, it's amazing that... Yeah, but hang on, 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 hang on. One, total respect, absolutely love the way that they played the game against Kentucky. Took under three hours. Fantastic. I love that. Dude, it looked like two and a half. That thing was flying. Yeah. Two hours and 56 minutes. I mean, I like... Love that. But if you do what you did against Kentucky, we are talking about a team that scored 14 points. Right. Right. You think they you think they can beat Florida with 14 points? No, I don't. But I think the idea of, of saying we're not going to put it all on the mailman here, like sure. in the Alabama game, it was like, all right, Stetson, we're going to let you throw it 45 times. You have to throw it 45 times because you have to score 40 points. Yeah, but that that he, I think my point here is that I don't think Stetson can do that effectively. I don't think he can either. But also, that to me, that speaks to they can't score enough to win. Well, then they're not going to win. Yeah, that's I, what I'm saying. That's all. That's what I'm saying is like if you can't trust your quarterback to throw the ball 30 times, or because you have to have chunk plays. Chunk running plays are much harder than chunk passing plays. A chunk passing play is your offensive line buying you one and a half, two seconds, and then you just get your wide receivers down the field to go make a play. Well, let me throw this out there. Do you think Dewan Mathis gets some more snaps at quarterback? We haven't seen him since the first, what, quarter of the Arkansas game? I Absolutely not. I 100% don't think that Kirby Smart will put him in the game. He's Listen, we're... We're, we're talking about a massive difference in philosophy. Like, and I, I think, I hope folks understand this, Hartzell, that we're talking, and what, I, what I'm referencing here is a massive fundamental difference in philosophy between someone like Kirby Smart versus someone, I don't know, like Nick Saban, who's transitioned his philosophy versus someone like Dabo, who has maintained his philosophy for a while. The idea that, listen, I don't care if you're young or old. Get in the game and go do your job. Mm-hmm. Saban has come to the idea that sometimes my young guys are better, even though earlier in his career he relied and lived with the idea of seniors. Kirby Smart's not there yeah. mentally. yeah. And Kirby Smart is very much in the same vein. He has better players, but he's in the same vein of a guy like, uh, what is it, Mark D'Antonio, right, who was at Michigan State? Where, well, my seniors have earned it. Kirby Smart thinks he has a Wisconsin football team <laughs> when he's got he's got a a a, a, a knockoff a, a really 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 good Canal Street knockoff Alabama. <laughs> but he's playing it like he's like like Kirby Smart is a guy that should be shopping at Neiman Marcus, but he's playing like he's at a at a Coles, Marshalls. Yeah, Marsh. This is—he's a Maxinista. Mm. And when you don't—I mean, think about it. Remember, a year ago at this time, one, we we're almost done with the season, and it felt pretty good. Now we got so far to go. <laughs> um, but yeah, a wrong. year yeah, a year ago wrong. at this time, we were lamenting at the fact that George Pickens wasn't listed as a starter. Right. 
even though he was their clearly their best wide receiver. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. He's still doing these same things. And I'm not going to get into this whole the definition of insanity, blah, 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 blah. But what I am going to get into is if you have loser traits, that makes you a loser. And I think that's what they'll be on Saturday. And Wayne and I like to go back and forth. Wayne Cook, he, he gives me a hard time because he thinks all I do is root for, you know, undefeated teams. And it, it, that's not it. I, my, my point here is both of these teams have championship aspirations. They both want to win the SEC East. The loser's season isn't over, but the loser isn't going to go to Atlanta. They're going to be sitting there looking at 6-2 and two at best, and they're going to be going to the Outback Bowl or the right. Citrus Bowl. Yeah, they're not going to be going to the Sugar Bowl. They're not going to be a part of the college football playoff discussion or a part of an SEC championship. So I think it's going to be a huge game. It's in Jacksonville. I'm curious to see what that looks like because Florida's a freaking free for all, and yeah. I don't know right how there. this is going to be regulated in terms of. It's always a fifty-fifty split, and I know a ton of Georgia fans are making the trip, and it's an actual trip for them, unlike the folks in Gainesville where it's just a car ride. So I'm curious to see how that looks, just you know, aesthetically. What are they doing capacity-wise? Felder, I have no idea. Governor DeSantis is a crazy person. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, they have released the um, like there are no there's there's no limits on mass gatherings in Florida. The only reason it hasn't happened in Gainesville or Tallahassee is because the university presidents like presidents are like, yeah, we're we're not doing that. Like we're we're not going to open it up and let ninety thousand people come in here. So I have no idea what it's going to look like in Jacksonville. I have no idea what it's going to be capped at. So when they go to that blimp shot on CBS at three thirty, yeah. which is really three forty, those games don't actually kick until fifteen minutes after they say they do. CBS is the worst. We're gonna get a we're gonna get a four hour game on CBS Felder, and we're gonna Dude. follow that up with about a four and a half hour game on NBC. That oh, NBC game is going to take forever, dude. Forever. Because you got to get into the pregame show, and then you get the pregame show, and then we get this extra long halftime, and then we get into these these extra commercial breaks. And that, let's not even get into having reviews, which they are a nightmare. I, I know that's a lot on Georgia-Florida. That's like 15 minutes to open the show. But I, I'm a Georgia guy. I grew up in Atlanta. This is, for me— you don't grow- like Georgia. Well, no, for me, <laughs> for me growing up, this was the Ohio State-Michigan. This was sure. the, 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 the Army-Navy. Whatever huge rivalry you want to associate with growing up and watching college ball, for me, Florida-Georgia or Georgia-Florida, based on where you're from. Not Georgia-Georgia Tech. Uh, different. That's different. Okay. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, my dad went to Florida, and, and this was the game every year. I mean, Got this it. was oh. just this was the one. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be great theater. I am leaning orange and blue, which is scary because that doesn't normally go well. Um, but anyway, we it's uh, fine. We... I, I I like literally like I'm trying to talk myself into Georgia winning, and I just don't know how to do it. That's the problem. Yeah, with these offenses, here, like to put it in perspective for people, for a defense to shut you down, you have to make every single run fit the right way. You have to recognize run versus pass immediately. You have to bat every ball that goes down the field. Not get you, you can't get mossed ever. You have to do every single tiny little thing the right way, and it's really hard. And to put this into to frame it, Oklahoma State versus Iowa State. Now Oklahoma State did get out with a win. 
in that game. They lost to Texas, which is insane. But when you have that many turnovers, you're probably going to lose. Ask Michigan State versus Rutgers. But here's the reality. Brees Hall had 185 rushing yards against Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State has a damn good defense. Yeah. He had they had a they had a they had a bubble error in terms of two guys in one gap and the guy couldn't get over the hump, which led to a 70 yard run. They had a, another error where the defensive end got caught peaking and didn't keep his outside leverage. That led to a 66-yard touchdown run. Now, those two plays were responsible for, I don't know the math, two-thirds, three-quarters, or whatever it was, of, of Brees Hall's production. Everything else, he had 20 carries for 185 or 18 carries for 49. 18 for 49 is good. But you make two mistakes, it leads to a big play. And when you're playing a team like Florida that has Kyle Pitts, that has Trey Grimes, that has Kadarius Toney, you're too, though you make two mistakes, they will kill you for that. Yeah. And that's the thing I'm trying to get at here. It's not that, hey, Georgia's defense is better. Georgia's defense is great. It doesn't matter if they're great. It mat what matters is you make some mistakes and you make a couple of mistakes, and that leads to big plays. Big plays lead to touchdowns. And on the flip side of that. Georgia is a team that's not willing to challenge you on those mistakes, which is why they only scored 14 points against Kentucky Mm -hmm. because they didn't challenge them. And I think that's the part of football that people don't really think about. Like one of the things that I constantly try to tell folks is one score game. It doesn't just mean one score. It means one play. You're one play away. You're one fumbled snap, scoop and score one big hit, you know, one tip pass interception for a touchdown, one long ball to your best wide receiver who catches it over as the DB slips your one play away. So if you're playing games that are 14 to three, that's two plays. Kentucky needed two plays to win the football game. That's it. And Florida, I'm willing to bet. And let me know if you're, if you're thinking I'm crazy, I think Florida's going to make a, make two, maybe four or five of those plays. I, I, I agree. I mean, look, Georgia's defense is really good, but as we've discussed, they're going to be without at least one of their safeties, and yeah. uh, Lewis Seen is is it got banged up in the Kentucky game too, so so yeah. he's a little dinged. I just think it's going to be one of these games where there's there, this this is one of those it's one of those sixty minutes that kind of defines the season and the trajectory of two programs that both have the same goal, which is win the SEC East, and it's been all Georgia for the last four years. And whether or not that changes, we'll see on Saturday afternoon. But there, there is pressure on Mullen to get it done because yeah. you can't keep winning ten or you know eleven games in a season and not beat your biggest rival. I'm not saying sure. Mullen's on the hot seat. I'm just saying if you're going to do it, Florida, this might be the year because Trask and Pitts aren't going to be on this roster next year, and no. you're going to be not in rebuilding mode, but it's going to be a different looking offense. So anyway, there you go. Rebuilding mode. That's twenty minutes on Georgia, Florida. Cocktail party. Let's go. Uh, Felder five. Let's jump into some big 10. What you got a game. We weren't even, I wasn't even aiming to talk about that game that much. And we just did a whole big thing on it. So let's get into Wisconsin. And this is my, the exact way that I wrote it, Wisconsin parentheses and the big 10 West close parentheses versus qualifying for the title game. Cause you mentioned, this is a game with Georgia Florida. It's a game that can set the tone for who wins the East, who gets to Atlanta. I am starting to wonder who they play what? Are they playing in Indianapolis? Mm-hmm. 
who's going to get there? Who gets there? As someone on Twitter said to me, everything's coming up Northwestern. <laughs> well, I mean, Wisconsin is playing at most six games this season. The bare minimum to qualify. Which is, I mean, what happens at... <laughs> I I mean I, I don't want, I don't want to hurt my brain, but like what happens if you've got a Nebraska team that's five and one, and there's another team in the Big Ten West that's seven and one? How's yeah. that going to work? Well, you're thinking about it in a very positive way, because the way that I'm thinking about it is Wisconsin at six and zero. Oh, but guess what? What happens if we have whether it's in Indiana, whether whether it's whether it's a Purdue or it's a anyway. Somebody else has an outbreak, and we have to cancel games. Because Purdue and Nebraska are already down to seven games. Right. Correct. Completely out of their control. Correct. So what happens if Minnesota has an issue, and Minnesota can't play Wisconsin? Now Wisconsin is down to five. You can't go. Minnesota, or or excuse me, in Nebraska or Purdue, they're also now down to six. Barring anything happening at their own programs, the dominoes – I think are the opponent here, right? In terms of what you're fighting against, because you don't have any control. You don't have the ability to reschedule. You don't have the ability to, to schedule outside games. Even they're not letting them schedule outside games. So what does this actually look like moving forward? Because if let's say Nebraska has to go down for the 21 days, uh Oh, Oh, and by the way, this is also being optimistic that Wisconsin is able to play next week, which who knows if that's even going to be the case. Right. I, I do think we we heard the phrase, there isn't a playbook for this. There's no, you know, sure. there, there's no parallel that you can draw when, when these conferences were trying to plan out the college football schedule. I think in hindsight, what the ACC did with no divisions is the model. Like, I, I think, I mean, God forbid we're not in this situation a year from now, but if we are... I think the ACC's decision to say we're not doing the Atlantic and the Coastal. The top two teams in the, in the league at the end of the year are going to Charlotte to play for the chip. That's a good because point. Because you've got, I mean, what if all the outbreaks happen on one side of, of the conference? You know what I'm saying? You've got Penn State or Michigan who's played eight games, but they can't go because Ohio State's run through everybody. Yeah. And you got to send a four or five team team from like I don't know, man. It's it's banana land. It's fine. It's college football. It's twenty twenty. But yeah, I'm with you, man. The Badgers look so good coming out of the gate, and we're not going to see them take the field again. It will have been three weeks since they've last taken a game at best. At so best. should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it just has been. It's it's interesting to me just thinking about it that way because, I, and you're right, the ACC not going divisions, that makes sense. Obviously, the Big 12 doesn't have divisions anymore. So that actually adds into their ability to get not just the best teams, but actual teams that have kind of put in the work. Um, all right, so going to kick off our Pac-12 stuff. Let's go. Oregon, Oregon, Stanford. What do you like? What don't you like? So we had Phil Steele on earlier this week. He thinks Stanford's going to be much improved from a year ago. Uh, okay. Oregon replaces so much, right? It's it's not just you know the NFL quarterback – it's not just all the guys on the defense that have opted out. It's not just Penny Sewell on that offensive line. It's it's just a lot of new faces. I know they've been recruiting at a very high level, Felder, but this to me is I just want to watch it. I just want to see what these two teams are bringing because I expect it to be sloppy, and, and I'm not going to know a lot of the names on either one of these teams. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I am excited because 
we are based on the depth chart, at least that get that, that went out. We are going to get Kayvon Thibodeau. We are going to get Mace Funa. We are going to get Noah Sewell. We are going to get, have you seen Justin Flo? Uh, I have not. No. Oh, dude. Okay. Let me, I got to I have to send, I have to put this in the chat. Justin Flo. Um, his nickname, I believe is baby man. Because when he was a baby, he looked he looked like a man. So let me send this. I'm putting this in the wow. chat now. Good God. <laughs> yes, folks, if you get on Twitter and search Justin Flo, the first thing that pops up is a fresh. He's a true freshman linebacker. True freshman who is looking mighty swole. He, I mean, I know he's wearing a green uniform. He looks like Hulk. He looks yeah. like the Incredible Hulk. Good. I mean, thing. look at those legs. He's huge. Holy cow. So he's a fresh – but in high school, he already looked gigantic. He is a – he took a kid to Suplex City in high school. Like, just straight body slammed the guy. So I think they – I for me, with Oregon, I want to find out how legit this defense is. I love Verone McKinley. I think he is incredibly special. Um as far as uh, safeties, defensive backs go, I know he's, he can play some corner listed as a safety right now for them. But I really, I'm excited. I, I'm excited for Oregon's defense. And if Stanford's improved, great. Let's see. Let's see how improved they are. They got. Um, look, they're going to be up against a tough uh, 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 an offense that's finding itself. So they'll probably look better than we thought. But I'm 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 interested. To see what Stanford looks like, because this is a team with all the quarterback issues and, I mean, the injuries. Because I mean, what did they do two years ago, three years ago? They did a spring with no, with only a walk-on quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, for me, with Stanford, I just want to see them get their program kind of, but in the words of Jimmy Buffett, right between the navigational buoys. Like, just can we just let's stay on the path. Not veer with these whole with the injuries and we don't have this player, we don't have that guy. So I'm curious to see what it looks like. I am excited about Oregon though. Uh, between Tyler Show and uh, Anthony Brown, I wonder who becomes their actual quarterback. It's going to be interesting. They also got Big Boy's son on the team, uh, Patton. I don't know his first name. I don't. I don't remember his first name, but Big Boy from Outcast. His son Jordan. Uh, okay, Jordan Patton. I don't know if he plays, but he's he's on the roster. So go Ducks. Well, he says in the song for my little boy Jordan. He's got a couple. He's got a son named Bamboo as well. So like I, he's got a squad. Um, regardless, if you've got one of the uh, one of the descendants of Outcast on your football team, I'm rooting for you. So I'm throwing up the O. Go Ducks. Let's go. Okay, we're going to cross Patton. Cross. There we go. Cross. Well, let me cross examine the depth chart. <laughs> Where you got him? Not on there. Okay, very good. There we go. All right, so, yeah, that's the, the – I'm just looking forward to it. Nick Pickett, by the way, didn't mention him, but he's a senior defensive back for them who's also very good. So, Oregon's got their um, – they got some work. They got some some guys that can put in the work as long as they're all playing. So, let's see what happens. Um, next up for me, Jaden Daniels versus Keaton Slovis. Yes. Daniels is good, dude. Yeah, both of these guys are good. But they're different. But they're really good, man. This, this to me, like I know the Pac-12, and I'm not stepping all over you here, Felder. But I just no, want to say, I, I think 
the Pac-12's decision to put this game at noon Eastern of all the games that are on the slate week one, like people are going to be watching this game on the East Coast and they're going to get a Pac-12 game on their TVs at high noon and they're going to be like, holy cow, both of these quarterbacks, if they played in fill in the blank league, would be stars. I mean, stars. These kids are studs. I don't know what they're going to look like week one, but both of these kids are ballers, dude. Well, they got some good wide receivers uh, at USC still, which is going to be really interesting to watch. Um, I, it's, I, 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 I'm not, I, I'm tired of trying to figure out who's in and who's out. Like St. Brown is on the roster, so we, I expect we're going to get to see him. It's, 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 it's going to be interesting. Tyler Vaughn's is there, so I expect we get to see him. But Vaughn's and St. Brown are awesome, and watching these guys play is going to be really, really fun. Like it's. It, it, these guys squaring off is, I don't know, this is what you want, right? Like you want Daniels, you want Slovis, you want wide receivers that can make plays. I think with in the case of Arizona State, now we wonder what does their offense look like, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not it, – Daniels is now – Daniels now has to lead other players who haven't played a ton of football or more speci- specifically haven't been impact players. He now has to guide them into what they need to be. I am rooting for LV Bunkley Shelton to get some touches, though. He's really, really talented as well, a freshman. Daniels is I mean, Daniels was the true freshman last year who was who was trying to right. lead an Arizona State team that you know, remember they went to Michigan State, they won that game, all of a sudden they're in the top twenty five. I mean, they started the year hot. Uh they cooled yeah. down in, in, in October and November. Uh, but I mean they're still coming off of a, a off an eight and five season. So look, I, I like Jaden Daniels. I, I I was wrong on Herm Edwards. I I, I admit that I think a lot. I think a lot of people were. Me too. But I I think this is going to be a cool game. It's going to be weird because the Pac-12 is going the Big Ten route where there are no fans. I mean, it's friends and family only. Sure. And and some artificial crowd noise. So it's going to be weird seeing the Coliseum empty. It's going to be weird seeing Autzen Stadium Saturday night empty. Uh, much like it's been weird seeing the Big House and the Horseshoe and Beaver Stadium, like all these places, just, just empty, man. So it's, I think Southern Cal is going to get the win. They're heavily favored, um, but you know Southern Cal's a slow starter, even in non-COVID times. Felder, right. they they kind of right. limp out of the gate. So if ASU can pick this thing off, watch out. I'm telling you, man. I wish we had. I wish we were in studio so Serber could play some Herm Edwards sound right now. Like, I just. I don't see a reason why they can't win this game. Like I. I mean, remember, let's let's be serious right now. Michigan State. Nobody thought they would even have to. We didn't even talk about them playing Rutgers. Because they're like, oh, they'll just they're just they'll just win. Rutgers sucks. <laughs> and that's not what happened. No. I, I think that anybody can beat anybody based on what's going on right now, right? Well, the Big Ten got got flipped upside down last week. I mean, I mean, Michigan Michigan State beat Michigan a week ago. They beat them handily, dude. They were up ten, which like, makes it seemed insane yeah. as a as even a possibility. Yeah. So, I I like Arizona State in this football game. Um, and what I was referencing with Jaden Daniels is now he's got to be the guy. I, I Frank Darby is going to help him. Obviously, I think that becomes their new number one. But you lose Brandon Ayuk. You lose, you know, Benjamin. So you've got to find your new playmakers. And that's going to be the part that's going to be a little tough. But I think he is an experienced quarterback now. And 
I think he becomes he's probably going to suffer from the same thing that Trevor Lawrence suffered from a year ago where people were like, well, he's not a, he, he made some mistakes. Yeah. He's making mistakes because he's making all the decisions, not just doing what the coach tells him to do. And I think that's the spot that we're going to be in. And it's going to be interesting to watch, but him versus Slovis is interesting, especially with, with the reality that I don't even know if that's, I don't even, I mean, who's going to fire their coach this year, right? It's a great question, man. So is the pressure off Clay Hilton? Is it like, what does the pressure feel like for them? I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I think if this were a normal 12 game slate and, you know, Southern Cal opened the season against Alabama like they were supposed to, uh, there, yeah, uh, there'd be a lot of heat, man. There'd be a ton of heat. By the way, yeah. can we just say or Oregon's schedule, which was, which obviously didn't come to fruition. I mean, they were going to host Oregon State. They were going to play North Dakota State. I mean, they had a loaded non-conference schedule, and mm-hmm. we were deprived of those games. So I- I'm just curious to see the quote-unquote elites in the Pac-12 yeah. take the field because this is – I mean, look, Felder, I know you've been staying le- staying up late the last couple of weeks, yeah. but, bro, I mean, this is, this is it. Put your big boy pants on. I mean, we're going from noon Eastern till about 3 a.m., 2 right? we got we got a hawaii game on the island at 11 eastern so Ugh. let's go let's Ugh. go so we got um next up in theory we would have the mormon manzel taking on uh hank bachmeyer right mm-hmm. but instead what we have is look maybe jack sears versus zach wilson jack sears versus zach wilson What's going on with Bachmeyer? They are being super coy. Like Is, literally just kind of close to the vest. They didn't even, they didn't, they didn't know. So as far as everything I've read, they didn't say why he didn't play last week. Interesting. I mean, I, I know he's had a hard time saying healthy, right? Last year he was dinged up, but. Sure. That's interesting. Like he literally, like they don't, they no, hey, we're not telling you anything. Well, I think what you wrote on the doc here about can the Broncos keep up, that's it, right? Like, BYU's going to get theirs. They're going to move yeah. the football. They're going to get to 40. Yeah, it's you got to keep up. You got to run with these guys. BYU is – and here's this is the thing with respect to keeping up. BYU has now played – how many they played? Six games? Seven. Seven games? They played seven games. This is game two. Seven. 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 This is game two for the Broncos, which means they don't have the kinks figured out. They don't have them ironed out. They don't know who their guys all are. Offensive line is still going to be a question mark because they had to replace so many pieces. I love Khalil Shakir, though. I will say that. I think he's one of the best wide receivers in college football. He's a monster. Um, But I don't know. This game is going to go a long way. What's crazy is BYU can't get the group of five major bowl game because they're an independent, so they're not in the group of five. So, like, what is the the, the thing for them is they have to make it to the playoff? <laughs> I thought they were still in the running for a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying about them being I don't know. independent, but I, I think they're still in the running. That's interesting. I, I need confirmation on that. Maybe I should well, get, like, Heather Dinich on the show or something there to find go. out what's going on. <laughs> I don't I don't know where they go because 
What? What? Who? What are you going to look? You're going to look the ACC in the eye and say, "Hey, man, they're going to the Orange Bowl instead of you." Well, if you want to pivot and talk playoff for a bit, I think the Big Twelve sure. is cooked, bro. I think I think they are done. I, they're I cooked think for the playoff, but they're not cooked for those bowl slots. Right. But if you're talking about the playoff, that's one Power Five conference that is not participating. Yeah, I think not gonna Pac, happen. I think the Pac-12 is gonna have a hard time. It's it's difficult enough to run the table in that league under normal circumstances. Sure. I don't know if there's gonna be a seven and O team this year. Six and one's not gonna get it done. Right. But look, I I mean, if BYU goes out and mops the floor with Boise State and they start flexing, because you've got look, I know we're still two weeks away from the college football playoff rankings, the initial set. Uh, you got BYU right now at nine in the AP poll. You got Cincinnati at six. Yeah. So and they look good. They do look good. They've really turned they it on points. the last two That's weeks. That's what we're looking for, right? We're looking for them to score points, and they did it. I think Desmond Ritter listens to the show, man. He heard you call him out. He's just been there flexing the last two weeks. But That's what I'm here for. The thing is, you've got a situation here. It's not just one of these squads. You've got an American team. You've got an independent uh, it's going to be interesting, man. I'm just I, I I'm curious to know what the committee does with those two teams. Yeah. They probably they probably won't put them in the top six, but we'll see sure. if, if other if if more and more teams like Florida, Georgia, that one of those teams is going to be done yeah. after this weekend. So I mean, there there's room to move up in the polls. Um, I think whoever loses Clemson, Notre Dame, like worst case scenario. Let me let me rephrase. Actually, I'll save it because you've got Clemson Notre Dame at the top yeah, of your. I got. Of your I got a. Five. I got a scenario too. I got a scenario too. So let's get. You know what? Screw it. Let's do it. Let's get into it because we we already did two. We talked Boise State, um, BYU. Let's get into it. Number one, Clemson Notre Dame, and let's talk about it. Let's talk about all of it. Let's start. We can start with the scenario because here's the scenario I'm going to pitch to you. You know, you give me your scenario first, and then I'm going to pitch a scenario to you. Uh, best case scenario, if you're the ACC, Clemson loses, Notre Dame gets that dub, and we get Notre Dame-Clemson part two in Charlotte for the ACC chip. I'm at, you, that's the scenario I was thinking too. But I'm thinking Clemson loses without their starting quarterback. Mm. Easy to excuse. Mm-hmm. Wins with their starting quarterback. Oh, my goodness, the ACC might be able to get two teams in. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reality. That's in realistically, they're probably the only conference. We always talk about it. SEC gets two. SEC gets two. But the ACC in that scenario feels like the only conference that could get two teams in. I, I will say this just because I think everybody's sleeping on this team. I don't necessarily think they're one of the best four teams in college football, but the Texas A&M situation is going to be a problem. Because they're going to run the table. Let, let me back That's up. how they get to it. Yeah. If they run the table the rest of the way, if they're sitting there at 9-1. You went and from one, they're going to run the table to if they run the well, table. Well, I, I need to clarify that. I mean, it's early November. But uh, my point is, if they've got one loss and it's to Bama and they don't have to play championship weekend and they're sitting mm-hmm. there with one loss. That's your two. That, that could, they could backdoor their way in like Bama did a couple years ago. Yeah, I could see that without having to play in the championship game. But your point if, if you're is, Clemson, you'll love that. Your your point is a good one because Phil Steele was on the show earlier this week. I asked him how many points is Trevor Lawrence worth? Like if he's in this game, how, ah. how different is this point spread? And Phil Steele with a straight face is like, probably seven points. Like if, if Trevor Lawrence is in this game, he has Clemson as a twelve or thirteen point favorite. Instead, they're a five point favorite on the yeah. road with mm-hmm. DJ Uyunglele. 
So it's going to be a fun one, man. What do you think is going to happen on the field? Because Clemson is a little dinged up, especially at linebacker from a week ago. Well, let's get into that because I think that's the interesting part. I don't know, and I'm sure server notice. I don't know if regular fans pay attention to this, but the guys in and out of the game. And one top-level disappointment was Niles Pigney making mistakes as a guy who's supposed to be kind of the leader, the elder statesman there up, up front. But the other part of it for me was watching these young guys figure out what they're supposed to do. I thought Balen Specter figured it out. He played he played a hell of a game. And now they're just shuffling pieces. And there is something that I respect about Venables maybe more than any other coach in the country. Head coach, doesn't position coach, doesn't matter. He takes guys out of the game. And I think that that is remarkable. We talked – remember we did the show – after they blasted Alabama in the championship game. Yeah. And I mentioned Nolan Turner and uh, Jamie Skalski getting in the game because the current starters were making mistakes. They benched Tanner Muse for Nolan Turner. They benched, I can't remember the name of the linebacker, they benched him in favor of Skalski because at least those guys are going to do the job. There is a an emphasis on doing your job in this Clemson defense that I think makes every player better. And I think that's also why we don't see so many, a lot of guys transfer out because they know as long as I know what I'm doing and as long as I continue to do the right thing, I'm going to get my shot to do it. And so we saw them shuffle linebackers in and shuffle linebackers out. And they made wholesale substitutions at the linebacker spot when guys made mistakes. And I think that to me, I don't know. I just, it's not perfect, but it is very inspiring, at least for me, to watch, knowing that we're going to get, we'll, we'll see Jake Venables, but we're also going to see Kane Patterson when Jake Venables messes up. Mike Jones obviously is having some injury issues. So we're going to see Trenton Simpson. Then we're going to see Venable, the other Venables in the game if he messes up. These guys go in the game. If, if you mess up, you're out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And no Tyler Davis, I think, is maybe the bigger a bigger issue than than no Trevor Lawrence. Because there's not it's not it, you can't just pick up slack of having a guy like Tyler Davis out. So this is gonna be interesting, but it's it is inspiring for me to see these guys go out and play football. And if you mess up, you come out, you sit out that series or the rest of the series, and then you get a, you get an opportunity to go back in. He's not beating these guys down. He's letting them know that your mistakes have to be corrected. And I, I think that bodes well for Clemson. Cerber, get in here, man. Uh, um, I don't really know. I, I mean, this game, this game's up in the air. Who knows? Right? Like, we've seen Clemson come into games like this before and just absolutely blast the opponent. We've also seen Clemson come into games like, like this before. Louisville comes to mind against Lamar Jackson, and it comes down to – you know, uh, a, a red zone stand or like a guy going out of bounds instead of going for the first down for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have a read on how this game is going to play out um, because I think Book is such a streaky quarterback. If he comes out ice cold, like Clemson's going to walk the dog with Notre Dame. But if, but if Book comes out and he's managing the game and 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 they're they are doing enough on defense to keep Clemson from getting into a rhythm. Then we're in for, like you said, a four and a half hour you know, bloodbath. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting. I so here's the thing. I think 
I, 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 I question Notre Dame's ability to sustain long drives because you mentioned Clemson getting into rhythm. The way they get in the rhythm is having the football. And to mm-hmm. have the football, the other team has to have three and outs. That's the thing, and, 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 and correct me if I'm wrong, but the most frustrating thing about playing Virginia or playing BC was how long they had the ball and you guys couldn't get off the field on third downs. Totally. Steve Spurrier created the model for how to beat in, uh, the hurry-up, no-huddle Clemson football team. He did it, what, five times in a row? Yeah. And he, and he did it by keeping the ball out of the offense's hands. Uh, well, I guess only three times because Chad Morris didn't come until after he'd beaten him a couple times. But sure. nonetheless, like the, he, he created – he and Paul Johnson, maybe even in, you could say, in mm-hmm. unison, created the model for how you beat Clemson. Because every game that Clemson has lost, it's been methodical. It's been methodical. It's been like that. The pit game would maybe be the outlier because they had some really good wrinkles in their offense and Clemson made a ton of mistakes and turned the ball over a bunch. But for the most part, it's keeping Clemson out of of their rhythm by keeping them off the field, running the ball, being okay with getting three yards of carry. Like the three yards in a cloud of dust mentality of football is is gone by the wayside, but against a team like Clemson, it's extremely effective. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on, and it is going to be interesting to see how this works out. Because for me, I look at Notre Dame. I like their run game. I like their I like their offensive line. I think that Tommy Kramer is good. I think that Rob Hainsey is good. I think they've got some guys that can play defensively. I think that they are uh, maybe a little overrated defensively. Because simply because of who they've gone up against. Uh, but we'll get to see them have a true test here. Um, oh, and the other thing I wanted to say, Hartzell, about um, Clemson. We're finally seeing the kind of the return of Xavier Thomas. I thought he was on full display this past week. Yeah, I, I mean, my, my thing is trying to handicap this game, Felder. And we had Roddy Jones on earlier this week. And, you know, he covers the ACC. And he's already done a couple Clemson games this year. He expects this to be a relatively low-scoring affair. Like he thinks Notre Dame's defense is gonna is gonna go all out to try to stop the run and sure. force DJ to make the throws that he wasn't necessarily making consistently against Boston College. I I, I don't know if you agree with that, but I, I am curious because Brian Kelly, we've seen how he manages that offense in big games, right? Like remember the Georgia game a year ago? Like yeah, he's terribly. he's incredibly hands-on when it comes to Ian Book and the way that this stuff gets managed in-game. So so what are you expecting from that side of the football? So Notre Dame's offense, I expect them to be incredibly conservative. They're also going to do something dumb, probably. Um, like try to just go one-on-one matchups with Kendrick, with, with, with Kendrick or Booth, uh, with, but with tight ends, bigger guys. They have huge guys catching the football, which I think is a positive, but it's only a positive if you use those matchups to get them against a safety or to get them against a linebacker and put guys into conflict down the field. I don't think it's because remember, we're talking about a coach who decided that his best thing was to have Tyler Eifert lined up against D Milner. And that, Oh, this is our best play. And we'll just throw it three times and this will happen. And then, Oh my God, we have to punt again. And then they get the ball. So he's not a genius. Um, I think if he uses his tight ends in phase in the way that, they're being used currently, then they have an opportunity to create some mismatches, especially because you don't have a Mike Jones or you certainly don't have an Isaiah Simmons. Um, so that's going to be the thing that I'm looking for because they have huge guys. Big, ben Skoranek is humongous as a wide receiver. And then you have Tommy Trimble and the freshman Michael Mayer. All three of those guys are big targets. 
So I'm, I'm curious to see what that looks like. Kyron Williams is a very good running back. Let's see if they're able to – who wins the battle in the trenches. But then when I flip it over, and Roddy said it was going to be a low-scoring game, I guess the question be, I, I, I just – Dabo doesn't have low-scoring games. Like, he, he doesn't. He's not conservative. He's not – he's not – he's not he, – he, like, he's not <laughs> – He's not – that's not what kind of coach he is, right? Like, you look at these, they've scored – lowest scoring game is 34 points against BC. They they don't want to not score points. You have to stop them from scoring points. I mean, 20 – excuse me, 25 versus LSU, and we know that they had some missed opportunities a year ago. They don't, they don't not score points. So – you have to make them, and I I, 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 think that the oh god, we haven't even mentioned this kid, Travis ATN. I think that's it. You know, listen, load up to stop the run, please, go, because guess what ATN can do? Catch the ball down the field. <laughs> so if you're going to load up to stop the run, that means your linebacker is going to be trying to cover him one on one down the field. And that's not a good proposition. Not to mention, he's just going to wear you down. Yeah, because like, he's... That's what he did against BC. They did a good job against him in the first half. They did a good job at everything in the first half. Yeah. But even early in the second half, they did decent. But he wore them down. By the fourth quarter, he was doing whatever he wanted against that defense. And that's the thing, is he is... He's a what? The ACC's all-time leading rusher? Yep. But the, the, the scary part is, this is a guy that caught seven passes a week ago. He caught seven balls. Also fumbled going into the end zone. That's fine. I'll live with that. Just, just saying. I, 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 I'm not discounting fumbles. I think they are an issue. I think it's something that he has to make sure he hangs on to the football. I also think that it was not a great handoff, just for the record. It was an awful handoff. Thank you for somebody finally saying it. Like yeah. on the on the broadcast, they were putting it on ETN too. I'm like, what do you not see? Like the quarterback cannot put the ball. And in the running chest. back's face mask. It was almost <laughs> in his face mask, dude. Yeah. Like, like, it was in his chin. No, you put it in your gut, right in the middle. There's yeah. a way you take a football, and, and ETN was prepared to take it the way you're supposed to, and then he right. had to reach up into his face to and get it. Holes. Part of that is putting DJ under snap for probably the uh, – under center for what? Probably the first time in his career ever. Does St. John Bosco ever go under center? I'm Not assuming all. that's a – yeah, that's a spread – offense he probably hasn't practiced under center at clemson more than maybe 15 20 times like goal line yeah like he does and they do not they do not do that a ton and with the backup quarterback i'm sure they do it even less i immediately thought why is no one pointing out that this kid's probably never taken a snap under center in a meaningful game and the first time he did he botched the handoff yeah it was a bad handoff by the way by the way just real quick on the blitz saturday we had the boston college radio feed they yes. made the they made the exact point, Cerber and Felder, that you guys just made, which Good. is statistically that's a fumble on ETN. That's not on Travis. That's right. on DJ. Like there you go. that that is that is lack of chemistry, lack of reps, yep. and just an overall like that's a freshman mistake. Like yeah. you can't hand the ball off to your all American tailback when it's around his neck. Can't yeah. do that. No, so. you can't. <laughs> I, I got a kick out of that because the BC radio guys and John Meter Perel is great. He's he's really he's enjoyable to listen to. But you know those guys, you know they they started getting into it because they're like we're up eighteen at Clemson, 
Sure. Uh, and They're these excited. and these are the types of mistakes that you need. No disrespect to you know Jeff Halfley in BC, like he's trying to build a program, but like you sure. need Clemson to make mistakes if you want to win a game like that. Sure. And when that happens, like they're they're all in. But yeah, that was on D. And, and so that's the thing, bringing it back to the big picture here, Felder. Like, oh, hang on, one more thing. Go on. When your running back has two games of over 100 yards receiving, that's a problem that defenses don't account for. And then when you start to account for it, guess who's open down the field? Your wide receivers. This is the same as L- as LSU a season ago, right? With Clyde Edwards uh, Hilaire. When he became, the more he becomes an issue in the passing game, the more you have to pay attention to him, and the more you pay attention to him, guess what? You can't pay. You can't cover them all. You cannot cover them all. And Clemson is becoming. I think that I think a year ago, probably helped color this, right? Like if you're Dabo and you're going in January, you're coming off that L, you're looking at Travis and going, hey, man, I know we've thrown the ball to you some, but did you see how hard it was when we had to cover Edwards Alaire and Thad Moss? Dude, Clyde Edwards Alaire made so much money last year catching passes. Exactly. Like, like he was the first running back off the board. Which is, ATN is doing it now. Yeah. ATN is doing it now. He's he's doing it right now. He's making money catching the ball because he's not just catching the ball down the field. He, excuse me. He's not just catching the ball in the backfield. They split him out wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you have a problem because this is the thing I don't think people think about with football. But if you have, if we're going an empty backfield, but you have a tight end and a running back, that's 11 personnel. That's what we call it. One tight end, one running back. 11 personnel. 11 people is what we call it. So you have 11 people in the game. 11 people is a running. That's running. That's three wide receivers. That's two two heavies. That's running. We're going to have two at least two linebackers, probably three linebackers in the game. Oh, snap. Galloway is split out and ATN is split out. Now we got two linebackers trying to cover two guys out in space. And by the way, have we noticed the tight end production pickup at Clemson? Have we noticed that? Finally, right. I don't know it's, what the, I don't know what the problem was. It, right, it's been because it was Jordan Leggett and a ton of tight end production, and then it disappeared, and now it's picking back up. Yeah, but there were talented guys on the roster. That's what I don't understand why it, it didn't happen. Yeah. Was was it was it a pass pro? Was it one hundred percent a pass pro thing because Etienne was such a liability up until this season? One hundred percent could have been, and now he's working on it. He's still not very good, but he's working on it, and he's trying. Which is, I think, a massive difference. So, can we get some? Can we get some picks here? I mean, we, we did sure, this. Let's with, do it. We, we did this with with Georgia Alabama a couple weeks ago, and and we were unanimous, right? Like we all yeah. thought that Alabama was going to win, and they were going to win by double digits, which is mm-hmm. you know exactly what happened. So, uh, I've got my pen and paper here. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go first. I'll let okay. you guys think on it for a little bit. I think Clemson wins this game. I think it's a double digit margin. Uh, but I think it is going to be a relatively low-scoring affair, especially for Notre Dame. So I, I'm going. I'm going to go Clemson, thirty-one. I'm going to go Clemson, thirty-one, fourteen. That's my pick. Oh, good defensive effort from the Tigers. All right, I'll go. I'll, listen, 38-21. No, thirty-eight, twenty-four. 
it's going to feel like it's close enough that you have an opportunity at the end. Things are going to get frantic. There we go. 14-point victory. Serbs? Well, the number is, what, five and a half? Yes. Yeah. Give me Clemson to win the game, but Notre Dame to beat the spread. One Ooh. possession game. Ooh. Ooh. I'm hedging my bet. There we go. Do you want to there give us go. a score? Or you just that, That's your pick. Clemson wins, Notre Dame covers. Uh, score, 31-28. Ooh, tight. Ooh, tight. Tight affair. BT right. Potter, do not blow this. Oh, boy. Kid's we, got a leg. We had a uh, – by the way, did you see the Oklahoma State um, video board? Yeah, what was that? It's just like parallel lines, right? Yeah, to look like goalpost. Ah, okay. So that's a dirty. Did you game. not pick up on that? No, I thought it was Oklahoma State that was kicking. So I was like, no, oh, it was it's, like a, it's like a training aid. Yeah, that's dirty. That's not okay. Texas was kicking. What's his name? Dicker, the Dicker kicker. The, Dicker, the kicker. Cameron Dicker. Yeah, he was kicking, and they had the vertical yellow lines. Yeah, it's dirty. Okay. <laughs> Cheaters never win. They did not win. They lost and that they, game. They they lost the game, and they the Big Twelve has been sunk. Yeah, their battleship has indeed been sunk. Oh yeah. Uh, all right, that's good stuff. That's that's the Felder five and one. I mean, that's 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 a that's a nice little primer uh, to get you ready for this for this weekend's games. I'm, yeah. I'm stoked. I mean, look. What else we got? What else we got? Well, I there's. I mean, I, I just want to get your thoughts on a couple of these games that we haven't touched on. Sure. Uh, we, you know, obviously BYU Boise State Friday night is going to be a fun one. There is a a bit of an appetizer before that Miami NC State on on Friday night in Raleigh. Do you want to give me sixty seconds on Michigan Indiana? Because yeah. I mean the Hoosiers are a great story. They're ranked thirteenth. They're two and zero. The the Wolverines. I, I mean, look, bro. As <laughs> we do this every year with these guys, they're back. They look good. Oops. The offense looked terrible against Michigan State they were down 10 and they needed two scores and they put together like a five-minute drive with six minutes to go to get that touchdown to get within three so like I just I don't know with these guys man they just can't be trusted right they just they can't be trusted they literally they were Wiz Khalifa like in the Minnesota game living young wild and free and then they their booty hole just clenched up against Michigan State and they couldn't do anything I mean, like how do you was, explain that? Like, how do you explain I, getting bossed by Mel Tucker? Like, I, I mean, Mel, I think Mel, Mel Tucker's a good coach. I don't think that team is as talented in terms of where he wants them to be. But the reality is, is that defensively, Michigan had some major lapses, and then I think offensively, I don't know. That's what I, that's what I'm mentioning. Like, like they they just like clinched up and weren't able to they weren't able to play free football like you you it's like it, it, because Michigan State scored first and it's like oh no they scored um guys let's go back to what we are um uh, oh, oh no 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 um let's not let's not do a lot of the stuff that worked last week um oh their defense is good we, we um let's play a little more conservative and it's frustrating like what's what's this, what's this what's to say? Scared money don't make money, right? Once you 
That's it. I mean, I don't. There's not a huge difference between that and and, and Georgia, right? Like Georgia's doing it at a higher level, obviously, in terms of what the wins and getting to the playoff. But the reality, I think, is we're looking at a team that, like, we're looking at two teams that they don't want to expose themselves, expose themselves for fear of messing up. When the reality is, I don't care if you're LSU from a year ago, you're Clemson this year, and for most of the last decade, or you're um, Alabama now. Alabama, you're like Alabama from 2015 on, you have to expose yourself to sacks, to incompletions, to interceptions even, because that's also the way that you make those big plays. And they just seem like they went into their shell and were like, we'll just weather the storm and hopefully something good happens defensively so that we can win. Yeah. I don't know. It's very – it's frustrating. It, it, it is. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch. I was so excited coming out of the Minnesota game. And I guess it, it also could be going up against Michigan State, them thinking, oh, we don't have to, like, we're not going to have to score that much this time because they don't have a prolific offense. And then your game plan isn't set up for you to do what you did the week before. I don't know. There's a lot. It's just very – it's frustrating. What else you got? I mean, I'm looking at the slate. A&M, South Carolina, uh, any chance that the Gamecocks no. can pull the – Okay. No, you think so? No, but I, I mean, look, I know you do a lot of radio in South Carolina. They love you down there. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm grasping here, man. I'm, I mean, look, Liberty, Virginia Tech, Houston, Cincinnati, Kansas, Oklahoma. I mean, outside of the premier games, there's not a ton. That yeah, jumps I off think the page. What, what stands out to you though, man? What Houston, you got? Cincy, Houston, Cincy is going to be interesting to see if they have a little bit of a hangover or letdown after a big win the week before. So I want to see them continue to just kind of push and get the job done. Um, that one for me, that'll be on the that'll be on the main screen. West Virginia, Texas. You don't have that one. You didn't you didn't mention them, did you? Uh, I did not. That's a noon game. West Virginia coming off of a pretty impressive performance against Kansas State. Texas is back ranked. Not really sure why. Um, oh, tonight on uh, Campus Insiders and available on WatchStadium.com Digital. We get into uh, West Virginia's defense. These guys are good. I'm impressed with what Neil Brown's done in a short amount of time there. Because, again, that's that's a cultural thing, right? Like, yeah. we, we talked about this last year, and I have a feeling we will again uh, out in Berkeley with, uh, with what Cal's been able to do. Wilcox, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Justin Wilcox turned a program around that all they cared about was hanging 60 on the board under Sonny Dykes, and now they're just mean defensively, just yeah. salty. West Virginia's the same thing. Like, yeah. Neil Brown comes in from Troy. Dana Holgerson's like, I don't really care about this side of the football. And now he's starting to change the identity there, which I think is really cool. Those guys are really good. Uh, you got the two stills kids in there, Dante and Darius, making plays. And then you throw in the fact that they've got – I mean, they got linebackers who hunt. Like, that's the cool – like, this is the thing I think about is if you got, if you got a pack of dogs that hunt, you got an opportunity because you are going to make the other team – it's all like this is, I don't know, maybe this sounds crazy, but when it comes to defense, from a defensive mentality standpoint, and I think it's Oklahoma State they're working on this too. They lost that game to Texas, but they held Texas to under 300 yards. And then you look at what West Virginia's been able to do. Obviously, they did it against K State, and K State's a mean team in their own right. But when you got dogs that hunt and you got guys that hit and guys that bust their behind every play to get to the football, when every single person on defense wants to make the tackle, but they also do their job 
in addition to wanting to make a tackle, you got an opportunity to win a lot of football games. So this team is gonna is a fun watch for me. Then you throw in what is it, Jarrett Dagey throwing the ball around for them offensively. They're fun, they're fun to watch. I, I'm looking forward to that's a game I am looking forward to is West Virginia, Texas. Uh on the strength of this defense. We I booked um or excuse me, not booked, I pitched multiple times that we should talk about their defense. And then it was like they had a bye week. They they it was one they lost the game. Then they had a bye week. Then they played Kansas. So, like, four weeks I've just been like, come on and have a good game. I want to talk about you on the show. And they finally did it. So, I'm excited. Um, plug plug what you got going on this weekend, man, because I, I know you're you're rocking, uh, you're rocking a fresh pair of kicks for the preview show on Saturday mornings. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about it. Where can people right. find you? So, Saturday. So, this is going to be Saturday. I think it's. I don't know what time is that. Um, what time is that BC game this weekend? It's an hour before BC kicks off. BC kicks off at two, so it, from one to two Eastern, I'll be um, rocking and rolling with uh, Sam Macho on College Kickoff Live. And the fit for the week this week, I'm going navy and black check blazer, Carolina blue shirt with a white collar. Black, khakis, and bread 11s. Power play. Bread 11s. Listen, I I don't know if you noticed this, if you saw the show this last week, but those were the tightest pants that I own. And I did not – I basically, I grabbed the wrong pair of khakis. Those are my skinny pants, and they were extra skinny. <laughs> hey, man, at least they still fit after COVID, bro. Yeah, it's all right. Well, yeah, but I had the red fives on. They look good. Well, that's interesting. You guys are going from one to two, uh, but it, the show itself it's called yeah. College Kickoff Live, and it's on it's on Saturday afternoon. So the artist formerly known as Fox Sports Regional. Bingo. So I did uh, I did the artist formerly known as Fox Sports Ohio yesterday. O h i o baby. They they watched the show. They said, "Hey, we got to get this guy on." They let me talk a little college football. Were you just talking national stuff, or was it Buckeyes? We talked. I talked. We talked Buckeyes. We talked Michigan. It was a guy, Bruce Drennan, I think is his name, the Drennan Report or something. I knocked that out, dude. That's your boy. <laughs> you got to get your shine on, man. Look, I, it's it, what's crazy is that it's week ten, bro, and, and week one. It's week one. Yeah, I'm tired. It's a grind. It's a grind I'm unlike any grind we've ever had before in college. That's for sure. I am tired. I don't even know what co- like I like. I was talking to uh, Martin Rickman, and he he mentioned he was like, "Yeah, dude, we have like they have they have basically the NBA has done like fourteen straight months, and it's just going to keep going because the draft is coming up." Yeah, the draft is in like two weeks. Uh, plug tape, don't lie. Plug trash and treasure. Hit D. All that stuff. Oh, you just did it, I think. So we got Trash and Treasure podcast with Amina and Felder. We uh, This week we actually talked about the Oklahoma State uh, video board situation and gamesmanship. We also talked about DJ Uyangalele and what he brings to the table. Uh, I think it was really cool. One of my, co-work, my, my co-hosts, Eddie McGee, played quarterback at Illinois when they went to the Rose Bowl. He was Juice Williams' backup. And he talked about getting into the game – when Juice got hurt against Mizzou and what it's like to come in as like a, a freshman backup and like how crazy it is for you, which is a really, some really cool insight. So check that out. 
Uh, obviously, with Cerber and Hartzell, we do Hand in the Dirt, a gardening podcast about football. Really fun. We got uh, Laura Brownlow on this week, which is awesome. And Friday nights, don't know the time, I'll be honest. Friday nights, Campus Insiders, we do Tape Don't Lie segments in there. And they're really fun. We've got a chance this week to talk about Clemson and DJ and how he's going to get better this week. We talked West Virginia's defense, which I'm really, really in love with. We also talked about Jahan Dotson, which we haven't got a chance to talk much Penn State on, on CS Now, Arsenal, but Dotson is making himself some coin. Go ahead. Drop your Jurassic Park line. You know you want to. What? Dotson. We got Dotson here. <laughs> but everybody cares. Because he's good. <laughs> and then we talked about Nevada. Nevada's offense is incredibly explosive. So. Oh, a little Mountain West love. Okay. Listen, All right. Chance, listen, I know. Listen, I get it. If, if you ever get a chance to watch Nevada, look at how big their wide receivers are. These dudes are beasts. So check them out. Who's, who's Nevada got on Saturday? I'm intrigued now. Hang on. They play on Thursday. Oh, okay. All right. Utah State. They'll beat the hell out of Utah State. Utah State is there. You listen. You want to talk? I know we're wrapping up. You want to talk about a program that's in a bad situation right now, on and off the field? Utah State. What's going on off the field? Gary Anderson is. He's made several public gaffes about pulling kids' scholarships, saying there's no ability. You, you're not allowed to opt out. Um, and then on the field, they're just not good. They went from a team that was that that was a top five offense in the country, and was you know a one loss football team essentially to. Oh no, it's like what is it, Water Boy? Oh no, we suck again. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah, folks, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to College Sports Now, and listen to the Blitz on the weekends because Hartzell's out there killing it. Yeah, the Blitz. Uh, we start at noon on Saturday. ESPNU Radio on XM. After Corso puts on the headgear and they're done with their simulcast, they go right to us. And for 12 hours, we do Red Zone for College on the radio. It uh, it, it rocks. Not going to lie to you. It's the greatest show you've never heard of on radio. So if you got to drive around with the kids, if you got to work in the yard, by the way, guys, I'm, I'm overseeding the backyard this week. It's... Uh-oh. uh. We'll talk about it on the other we'll show. Save it for the other show. It's go- oh, it's oh, it's going to be so pure. I can't wait. Uh, all right, at CS Now tweets, drop us a line on Twitter at in the bleachers for Felder at L underscore Serberino. Uh, take it easy on Serb Saturday night because he'll be sweating or just locked in or both to uh, <laughs> to Clemson Notre Dame. And uh, you can drop me a line at Stephen Hartzell. Enjoy the games, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week. So long. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.